0: The big thing I wanted to do with this book was to say, no, do these five things and then you can go run your first game. Do these five things and you can run a mystery. Do these five things and you can do a heist, uh, for example, and being really really crystal clear in like, do these things. This is how you prep. This is how you run. And an adventure will happen. And then once you have that foundation, that's when you can begin doing all that extra credit stuff I was talking about, whether from this book or my website, or from the infinite number of other GMs who are offering you advice elsewhere. That's the stuff you can build on top of that firm foundation.
1: Want to attack Oh 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 I wanna come back to the dice Oh oh oh. I think I need some good advice I need a roleplay rescue
0: Oh yeah I need a roleplay rescue Oh yeah oh yeah
1: Hello Rescuers, my name's Che Webster and you're listening to Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our passion for tabletop roleplaying games. This episode is the final one for the season, no really, it is the last one, and it's my pleasure to bring you a conversation about a very significant new book for the RPG scene. Justin Alexander is my guest today. He's a freelance writer and the author of the grand repository of ideas that is thealexandrian.net. Justin is also the host of his own YouTube channel, Advanced Game Mastery. His work is noted for its insight, good humor, deeply thoughtful suggestions, and to be frank, The Alexandrian is probably the biggest single influence in my own gaming and in this podcast. Hailing from Minneapolis, USA. Justin is also an actor and a playwright and it's a very great honour for me to have him back on the show. Big thanks up front to Justin for agreeing to come and talk about his new book. It truly was another joyous and interesting conversation for me. So this is it. This is Season 12, Episode 28. So you want to be a Game Master with Justin Alexander. It's my very great delight to have Justin Alexander back on the show uh, and here to talk about a book, apparently, that he has written, a book called So You Want to Be a Game Master. So welcome, Justin. And uh, yeah, tell us about this book. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am
0: very excited about this book. Like you said, it's called So You Want to Be a Game Master. Uh, For those who are familiar with The Alexandrian, which is my website, this is basically The Alexandrian compressed in between two covers and then shipped out into the world. Um, If you're not familiar with The Alexandrian, then what this book is, is a procedural step-by-step process for becoming a GM for the first time. And it's also a treasure trove of lore for a long time established Uh, game masters to learn even more about how to run a role playing game. So this game is going to teach you how to run a dungeon. Obviously, every new game master book needs to do that. But it's also going to teach you how to run dynamic dungeons and mega dungeons and advanced dungeons, but also mysteries, heists, raids, uh, node based adventures, urban crawls, hex crawls, point crawls, and, and and more than that, I've lost track of all the things that are in this book. There's also, so that's like the scenario design section of the book. There's also at the back, there's a huge extra credit section that deals with stuff like uh, creating a supporting cast, running combat, uh, rumor tables, uh, just a whole panoply of stuff at the back of the book as
1: well. Um, I'm going to ask the dumb question because the title <laughs> seems pretty clear and what you just said is pretty clear. But basically, what's the book about? It's about being the best game master that you can be. Okay. First question because I know a big bugbear of yours is how many role playing games that are published these days do not tell you how to play a role playing game. So is it fair to assume that this book does have a section about how to play a role playing game?
0: Absolutely. In fact, the entire book is really designed around how to how to prep and run uh the game as a game master. So like the first actually the first 20 maybe 30 pages of the book is is basically a step-by-step introduction with the assumption that the person reading these first 20 pages has never played or run a role-playing game before. and that that initial section is going to tell them everything they need to know to run their first game except for the rules of, of whatever game it is they've chosen to play. And then at the end of those 20 pages, I'm going to be I, the book will say you now have all of the skills that you need to go out and run your first session. So you should go do that and then come back here, and we will continue learning things together. But one of the big things I really believe in with this book is its step-by-step approach. There's so many jamming advice books, and they're good books. I'm not trying to Mm. diss anybody's books. They're good books, but they're just kind of general advice. They're things like, oh, maybe you could do this, and maybe you could do this. And the big thing I wanted to do with this book was to say, no, do these five things, and then you can go run your first game. Do these five things, and you can run a mystery. Do these five things, and you can do a heist, uh, for example, and being really, really crystal clear in like, do these things, this is how you prep, this is how you run, and an adventure will happen. And then once you have that foundation, that's when you can begin doing all that extra credit stuff I was talking about, whether from this book, or my website, or from the infinite number of other GMs who are offering you advice elsewhere. That's the stuff you can build on top of that firm foundation.
1: Okay, talking about this first section, like 20, 30 pages, presumably aimed at the beginner primarily so what does that sort of cover i'm curious
0: so the big thing the big thing we're kind of aimed towards for those first 20 to 30 pages is how do you actually run a dungeon Um, and we could have picked any number of initial Scenario structures for what that first adventure is going to look like for them. But I find there's a reason why DD is so popular. There's probably several reasons why DD is so popular. But one of them is that that dungeon format, that dungeon scenario structure, is so accessible and easy to run for a first time GM. And the reason for that, getting into more advanced theory, the reason for that is that each dungeon room is firewalled from the rest of the adventure. So if I'm running a heist or I'm running Uh, or i'm running like a big conspiracy adventure i have to as the gm kind of keep track of everything that's going on in the adventure if i'm running a simple dungeon and obviously there are advanced dungeons as well but if i'm running a simple dungeon the only thing i need to keep track of is what is in this room is it a trap is it a goblin is it both whatever it is i just keep track of this one it's it's very simple and i never as as a beginning gm have to think boy what do i do next the answer is always whatever's in this room or pick an exit and go to the next room. So that's why we kind of start out with that dungeon format. And what I'm aiming for in those first 20, 30 pages is what is the bare minimum that you need to understand about that structure of how a dungeon works, how you prep it, how you run it in order to run that first adventure. And the answer to that question is you need to know how to make rulings Uh, When the PC's, when the players say, I want to do this thing, you need to be able to make a ruling about how are we going to mechanically resolve that. And so I teach the GM, these are the steps you need to do a basic ruling and make a basic skill check. And then the second thing you need to understand, the second skill you need to run that basic simple dungeon is how does does a dungeon room work? And we're going to walk through a very simple procedure for like, this is what the key for a dungeon room looks like. This is how you can run that key. Um, this this is how, this when you need to make a ruling, this is where you can pull the information you need to from that key, um, which all sounds very technical, but it's actually also quite simple in practice. You know, there's an example key, we talk about each section, which both teaches them how to read the key that we're gonna provide in a moment, and also teaches them how to make that key when we get to the next step after running your first adventure, which of course is creating your first adventure. And then what the book actually does to make that first adventure as accessible as possible is there actually is a complete introductory little, dungeon scenario in the book as well so you can read those first 20 30 pages whatever ends up being in final layout and then run the adventure that is there and then at that point we can talk about how to create new adventures or use published adventures
1: so you've spoiled i mean there's lots of little bits you've been teasing out there and sort of showing covers being released um back in sort of july um had a good look at it, beautiful by the way and um there's lots and lots of little like tips and stuff in there that you've kind of put tips that you've put out there um but what i'm most curious about really is that for somebody's who been around gaming for about you know, 40 years um it seems to me amazing that uh nobody has really sat down and done what you appear to be trying to do or have tried to do so why do you think that is well, something I talk about on my website, on the Alexandrian,
0: is the fact that for a very long time, we as as an industry, as a hobby, as designers, as game masters, didn't really think in terms of of what I call scenario structures, mm. the actual structure of what you prep and the structure of how you run that. And so for, for a very long time, because we didn't think about that, it just kind of became a thing where, like, well, everybody knows how to run an adventure. Or you'll hear things like, well, in an RPG, the players can do anything, and then the GM, you know, responds to that somehow. And it's the response to that somehow which makes GMing uh, quite difficult, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens, because we didn't really think about how the scenarios are designed and how we use those scenarios in play most game masters for a very long time had really just two scenario structures. And one of those was the dungeon because Dave Arneson and then, and then Gary Gygax together in dungeons and dragons had actually put together, they needed to explain what this weird game they were making was. And the way they did that was to explain, you know, here is, here is how you make a dungeon and here is how you run that dungeon. Because if they didn't explain that, nobody would have any idea what to do with the game. Right. And so if you go back to 1974 D and D, there are imperfections but they are giving you a very specific a very specific procedure for how to create that type of adventure so mm-hmm. that that scenario structure the dungeon scenario structure is one that most people have in their pocket because it's been around for a very long time. Although something else I talk about is because we haven't analyzed those kinds of scenario structures, each edition of D&D has gradually removed more and more of that explanation until you get to fifth edition, where if you look at the fifth edition core rule books, they neither tell you how to make a dungeon, there isn't even an example of a keyed map in, they don't tell you to key a map and they don't even give an example map with numbers on it in the DMG. Um, And they certainly don't give you any kind of procedure for actually running the dungeon. So that that knowledge of how to run a dungeon has passed from in the rulebook into purely a oral tradition that is passed down from GM to GM in increasingly imperfect form. But most people have that dungeon structure. And then the other thing most people have is a railroad where they Mm -hmm. basically force the players to go from one scene to the next. And some people have like a mystery scenario structure, which often blends into a railroad because they don't really fully understand it. So one of the reasons to get back to your question, why a book like this doesn't exist is because for a very long time, we didn't really even think about adventure design in this way. We either designed a dungeon or we designed a storytelling railroad of some kind. Mm -hmm. And, until you begin thinking in terms of what is the actual structure of prep, what is the actual procedure of play, you can't even begin to think about a book like this. And that's a lot of the work I've been doing on The Alexandrian, and it's what this book is going to capitalize on. And it's why it's not just about how to run a dungeon. You're going to have the the, the same amount of detail in terms of exactly what you prep and exactly the procedure you need to follow to have that mystery, to have that raid, to have that heist, to have that urban adventure.
1: Mm. So obviously, for those who don't know, the Alexandria has been around, I don't know, was it 10 plus years of you writing stuff? I certainly remember reading articles 2011 or something. So in a while. The
0: the first post on the site is July 4th, 2005. Wow. So it's been around 18 years now, which makes me feel
1: ancient. Um, (laughs) Um, Absolutely ancient. And one of the things that made me smile is you, you. when you showed the uh, cover, the video starts with like these pop-ups of messages that you've obviously been getting through YouTube and and others, you know, probably through the blog and what have you over the years. of Can you put this in a book, please? Where, where's the book? You know, all of this sort of stuff. Um, and I know that, you know, publishing is a whole kind of thing of itself, but when was the point where you felt like you had a, book you could write i mean has that been a long while coming or has that been a more recent sort of yeah we're ready now
0: it has it has been a long it has been a long while coming honestly the the first time i felt like there's there's a book here that i should write um was actually back in 2015 Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can see the vestiges that hanging around i have have a patreon that i started that same Mm -hmm. that same time period and the one of the one of the goals of the patreon was a certain level of support I would begin writing so you want to be a game master right. and uh the main reason it didn't happen as quickly as I thought it would back then is shortly after that I got hired by Modiphius to be the line developer on the infinity role playing game and then I became the RPG developer at atlas So I'm imagining mm-hmm. a half dozen different games uh, yeah. and creating magical kitty save the day and all of that and so there was just a lot of other projects I ended up unexpectedly getting tangled up in mm-hmm. um And so and so the book has really been delayed. And I really have to thank this book. This book is coming out from Macmillan Publishing through Page Street Publishing. Page Street being the people I'm actually working with. And I really thank Page Street. Page Street came to me and said, hey, do you have a book? And I said, you know, I do. And I've been looking for like the time to do it. And your offer and interest in doing the book has really given me the window to be like, okay, now I can actually, I, I need to dedicate the time to actually make this book happen. And so I've been wanting to do it for a long time. As you say, I've received many, many messages from people saying you need to do this. I'll be like, I know, I know I need to do it. I've just, I've got games I'm working on. Um, but I'm really grateful to Patre Publishing for like, I think hopefully other people are also grateful to them because it helped push me over the edge and gave me the motivation to actually to do it to finish it to get it out there into the world
1: no, absolutely i mean it's one of those things with any creative project isn't it and ultimately a deadline is probably the greatest <laughs> sort of you know uh in 100 yeah 100 percent. absolutely so roleplay rescue is a podcast about getting people back to the table and to me this sounds like one of those perfect moments where you could say to somebody you think about getting back to the table uh have you seen justin's book what do you think? I mean, how would the book be helpful for someone who's kind of lapsed? You know, maybe they played back in the day and then they sort of like had those years out. And then now they're anxiously sitting there going like, I kind of want to do this, but I'm a bit, you know, where do I start? What do you I, 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 I'm obviously going to say yes. And,
0: but I have some firm <laughs> reasons for saying yes. And, and, I think it depends on why it depends on why you've drifted away from the table mm-hmm. uh, and the book is going to offer several different answers to you depending on what that reason is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people drift away from the table because the responsibilities of being a GM can feel incredibly overwhelming um particularly because having a lack of scenario structure so you aren't really sure what you should be prepping leads to a lot of over prep. Uh, Where you prep a lot of stuff, just hoping maybe you've prepped the right thing Uh, and also prepping a lot of stuff that you end up never using or prepping it in a way which like you're doing way too much work for too little results. And all of that is incredibly frustrating as a GM. I've been in that position, been like, I don't know what I'm doing. It takes too much time. How am I doing this? And that's one place where the book is going to say, look, I'm going to help you figure out what is it specifically you need to prep. Mm-hmm. And what is it and how and How do you use that in play to best effect? And so the mm-hmm. book is really going to make it a lot easier, I think, for a lot of people to do that prep work and to take on that jamming responsibility. The other reason I think people get overwhelmed by GMing is that a lot of modern design methodology that is pushed by published campaigns, by rule books that we read, a lot of that puts an immense responsibility onto the game master to be responsible for everybody's fun. Railroading is a classic example of this. If the only structure you have for running your games is some form of railroading, the trick with railroading is railroading happens when the GM is forcing a preconceived outcome onto the players. You're forcing the players to do something. This extends somewhat also to linear design in general, where you're kind of expecting them to require them to go through specific things throughout the course of the, the adventure. The, the trick with that kind of linear and even more so railroaded experience, which are not necessarily the same thing, to be clear, but in either case, you are prescribing a series of events and a series of activities for the players to engage in. And when you, when you prep and run adventures that way, it becomes your responsibility to make sure that everything is fun, to make sure that the spotlight time is evenly divided, to make sure that every challenge is perfectly balanced because you're forcing them to do it. And if you're forcing someone to do something, you need to make sure that you're forcing them to do good things. And so the entire responsibility of the session rests on you. And that is is immense. And one of the things about the approaches we'll talk about, and so you want to be a game master is how to break away from that railroad, to break away from the idea that You as the game master are going to prescribe activities to the players and therefore are responsible for those activities and to engage in what I refer to as active play, where it's not just me saying, here's what you're going to do. It's me. It's me, you know, throwing some toys on the ground and we get to play together. And when you're all playing together, you can all take responsibility together for everyone having fun together. And now it's not all on your shoulders as the game master. It is it is shared joy rather than a burden of responsibility. And so that approach also changes things. And then the third thing that the book is going to show you, and this isn't really the focus of the book, but it's in there, is that the other reason I think people drop away from game mastering is that scheduling can just be such a huge problem. And also the perception that, the only way to play role playing games is what I refer to as a dedicated campaign, which is the same five people have to get together weekly uh, for the next six months in order to play through a story. That is an immense that is an immense commitment of time, uh, and also like it, it also frequently is a blind commitment where you are like, boy, I really hope I like these five people. I really hope I like this campaign because I am dedicating a large chunk of my life to it. And one of the things we talk about in the book is the alternative to that which is the open table uh method of play like i said not the focus of the book but there's actually a whole chapter in the extra credit section talking about open tables and the trick with an open table it's actually is the way that dave arneson and gary gygax used to run their games at the dawn of the hobby which is that rather than having this dedicated group who show up every week it would be anybody wants to come on tuesday night we're going to go on an adventure together and so scheduling becomes easier if you're a player you don't have to commit to every single week you can just drop in and play when it's fun it becomes a lot more like a board game night um and that can make role-playing games less stressful uh and a lot more accessible uh to a lot more people um who are having time constraints of just you know the realities of life so those are all different ways that I think the book would address some of those concerns
1: I'm wondering like you talked about this you know Sorry, not this linear. The railroaded experience that most people are going through, and I, th- I guess like there's hints here of like what that might look like. Obviously, scenario structures of what you're talking about, but can you give us an idea of the sort of what is the alternative that the book essentially is building people towards? Um, you talked about starting with a dungeon as the most simple scenario. So I guess the question is of what's the next steps out, um, and how do people break away from this sense of I need to put this in front of them and then that in front of them and then this in front of them.
0: Well, one thing I talk about is that where, where railroads come from is the idea that we need to prep plots, which makes sense because every other form of media we look at, films, comic books, novels, short stories, even a lot of video games are actually these linear plotted things, which makes sense because the author has no other input. The author creates everything and so the author can create a plot and share that plot with you. But the trick with a role-playing game, of course, is that it is an interactive media. And so what I am far more interested in when I sit down to play a role-playing game is that interactivity. And so I think instead of thinking in terms of prepping plot, I think in terms of prepping toys. Um, I think about creating a situation which has a lot of different interesting things and interesting NPCs, interesting locations that are all are doing something or related to each other in some way. And then the PCs arrive, the PCs are part of that tapestry, and then we actively play with each other. And the example I give is, is actually like GMing can be a lot more like playing in the sense that when the players show up to a session, they have created a character, but they don't come into a session with, and tonight my character is going to do A and then B and then C and then D. They come in and they listen to what you present to them, and then they respond to that. They actively play with you. Mm -hmm. And you as a GM can actively play with them. Rather than trying to prep out what will happen, you can prep toys that you can use to respond to the players and to actively play with them. And there's a lot of different, again, structures you can use for that. But like one that that can be very powerful is node-based scenario design, and this is one of the things that you can do in the book. So you mentioned like what comes after the dungeon? Actually, at the end of the dungeon section of the book, the book will then say you can now choose your own adventure here. Basically, um, I've got a section on mysteries. This section on raids and heists. There's urban adventures. There's into the wild. And whatever type of scenario you want to run next, you can pick that and go and go explore that immediately. You can keep reading the book through the book cover to cover, of course. There's also that extra credit stuff. So it becomes very much more like, okay, now that we've got the basics down, you can go pick the stuff you want to explore next. One of the things you can explore is this node-based adventure design. And this is basically an advanced form of mystery design. So the basic mystery design is that uh, you have the three clue rule, where you have a scene and there are three clues um that point you to the next scene you go to the next scene uh and investigate there you find up to three clues and continue on and the the point of the three clue rule is redundancy you don't have to find all three clues to proceed and that way if somebody misses a clue or misinterprets a clue your mystery scenario remains robust and you can proceed forward with it Mm -hmm. but the next step up from that is this node-based scenario design which inverts the three clue rule and says You don't need to have three clues in the current scene pointing to one other scene you can have three clues pointing to three different scenes for example and that's enough because as long as the PCs find one of those clues and know what to do with it the adventure will continue they might find all three and then have a choice of things to do or they might find one and that's all the only thing they can do because they missed or misinterpreted the other two and basically there's a structure for like designing large mysteries or conspiracies using that Um, The other thing that node-based scenario design is really good at is that it reflects the way that a world works because it's about how information flows. So like the way that organizations and people work with each other are connections that can be modeled through node-based design. And so it's a very very controlled structure that means that things don't spiral out of control and the GM has to keep 9,000 things in their head at one time, but it's one that models a, a world where you have situations that you interact with And you can pick up the different nodes and characters and respond to the players
1: dynamically through that structure. If that kind of makes sense. Oh, good. What about genre? Is this primarily a book about fantasy role-playing?
0: No, the, the beginning of the book assumes that the reader is either not familiar with, with role-playing games or that they are familiar with D and D or are aware of D and D. And so the Mm -hmm. beginning of the book does kind of assume that because uh, attempting to like take somebody who's never played a role playing game before and be like, there's forty thousand different games out there is too much. I, we our experiments yeah. with doing that kind of overwhelm them. So the beginning of the book is like, let's assume you're playing D and D. Other RPGs exist, but let's assume for now you're playing D and D. And here's how a dungeon works with some very specific mechanical tie-ins to D and D, so you can get up on your feet. You can certainly use it with other games as well, um, but we just kind of make that assumption. But once you get through that first adventure, the book begins opening up and begins discussing other genres and other approaches. And even we talk about in terms of dungeon, it's very much a legacy term, but a, a, a more generic way of thinking is a, it's a location crawl rather than a dungeon. But whatever you call it, that structure works for all kinds of things. You can use location crawls or dungeons for you know, uh, shadow run Scientific labs in a shadow run campaign or um, uh, an abandoned space station in a space opera campaign or any of those kinds of things. So all these structures are very usable um, across all genres and and forms of play. Like I say, particularly once you get past that first adventure, the book also begins opening up and looking at those different possibilities.
1: So you're talking a lot about uh, essentially giving people techniques and and structures to work on. Is there anything um, beyond that that you kind of included? Uh, I mean, I was I was kind of thinking about does it talk, do you talk about getting players up and running? Do you talk about um, you know the sort of the dynamics at the table and things like that too?
0: I do actually, yeah. So. Like I say, the first half of the book is all about these scenario structures, what you prep and how you use it. But then the back half of the book is what I call the extra credit section. And the idea is that these are tools that are useful or concepts that are useful for any of the scenario structures, kind of any form of play. And those include things like there's a section in there about creating your campaign and what what are the actual steps you need to follow to create that first campaign for yourself um there's a section in there about how to learn a new rpg for the first time there is a section in there about how to create characters with your players and like different dynamics you can use to do back and forth with them to create rich and rewarding characters um so the the short answer is yes uh that stuff that stuff is
1: in there i'm kind of just curious on a, a sort of a slightly more personal level about what you feel like you're most pleased with with it what are you most proud of with this book that's a great question
0: i i am most pleased so i've had this vision for a very long time since since at least 2015 when i was first thinking about the book about i had this very clear vision of, of what i felt would be the best way of introducing new game masters to being a game master and that was really heavily built on my own personal experience trying to become a game master way back in 1989 um, the summer of 1989 i was trying to learn how to learn these role-playing games for the first time Mm -hmm. a lot of people come to role-playing games by playing in somebody else's game that was not me i had heard about these role-playing games i didn't know anyone who was playing them and it was obviously 1989, so it was like I just go online and see what was going on at the time easily. And so I was trying to figure out what this was. And I I actually – so the first role-playing game I picked up was the, the, a Batman role-playing game from Mayfair. I read that book cover to cover because I was so eager to get into this amazing world I kind of felt the edges of, and I couldn't figure out how the game worked. I, I read the book cover to cover, but there was no explanation, and I couldn't wrap my head around like, well, what – What do you actually do? Mm -hmm. And I actually went through several role-playing games before I finally found the Menser basic set. And that had had enough of a procedural approach to kind of show me how to like actually do the thing. And then I was able to run games for my friends and and family and and get on top of it. And so for a very long time, I was like, well, what is the book that I would have wanted that I would have wanted 10-year-old Justin in 1989 to have? And I think the thing... I'm most proud about this book is that this is the book that I wanted when I was 10 years old and trying to figure out how to become a game master. And I think that I've achieved that. And I hope that I'm hoping that I'm not just like the one person who needed to learn that way. I'm hoping that this is actually true for a wider, wider way of people. But I think a lot of people hopefully will find the book that I desperately wanted in the summer of 1989 and that it will be, that it will open, open world of imagination to them
1: the so the rumor is it's 500 pages
0: 544 pages is what the publisher has told me uh which was a which was a shocking which is a shocking number to me i did not expect it to be uh that that mighty of a tome um the word count is about 150,000 which is the length of a of a of a novel basically yeah. um but i think with all the diagrams and maps we men- you mentioned the cover earlier fernando mm. salvaterra is doing the cover and also all of the interior cartography on it absolutely beautiful work um that he has done i'm I'm so happy to have his work um supporting my text and um but i think with all the diagrams and everything else i think the i think the uh the page count just ended up being a bit mightier than i thought it was going to be when i wrote it so
1: so now you've piqued our interest maps and diagrams Mm. um so what kind of i mean i'm presuming like you've got things like your node-based diagram i remember that on the alexandrian log you know you can do very simple stuff I imagine that's been prettied up but uh yeah what other sort of stuff
0: uh well I mean a lot of a lot of scenario structures are based around mapping based around cartography right? obviously the dungeon uh is and we have uh, several examples of dungeons in the book there is also obviously like hex crawl maps as well there is a uh, absolutely beautiful if I do say so myself for, for Fernando's behalf um hex map um that has like it fully fully illustrated um, not keyed. So it's kind of like if you want to use this as the beginning of your first hex crawl campaign, uh, you can use this. Um, like you say, there's there's the diagrams for node-based scenario design. Um, there's also examples given for um uh, for raids and heists and how to design how to design maps uh, for those as well.
1: So we've been a long-term follower of the blog and increasingly of the YouTube channel as well. Advanced game mastery is something that yes, people should watch what's sort of new here is there anything that if you've been you know reading and watching for a very long while that is gonna like go oh that's new
0: yes uh there's there's several there's several new things now I will say admittedly like I said at the beginning of the interview it is largely the Alexandrian press between two covers and so the biggest advantage for someone who's a long time reader of the blog will just be the fact that the material has been organized into into a procedure i guess is the best way to put it it takes a lot of like over the i guess we established 18 years oh (laughs) god uh the 18 years that the the blog has existed i've written i've written millions of words of, of of material and something i do hear from people is like it is overwhelming and i completely understand that i i try to provide indexes and guides and everything else But you can spend a long time diving into the Alexandrian. And one of the advantages of this is not just it's going to kind of bring together a good little introductory packet, but ideas and concepts are related to each other and put into context with each other in a way that I think will be useful even for people who visited these ideas before. But Mm -hmm. I have also added in uh, new material as we go. Uh, So, for example, there is... Uh, Something people have asked me for quite a bit is like a structure for running raids, for example. And so for the first time, there's actually a raid structure that is included in the book. Um, A lot of new material in the uh, urban adventure section, Uh, there is a full Structure for downtime, running downtime in a campaign, uh, including faction downtimes and a full fledged urban crawl structure, um, along with, well, actually, I was going to say, along with social events, but Technically, social events did appear on the Alexandrian in the form of party planning, but they've been Mm. revised and updated as well. Uh, So there's basically like a complete, there's a complete structure for running a city in a way that hasn't appeared on the Alexandrian previously. So a lot of new content in there for longtime Alexandrian readers. Uh, Longtime Alexandrian readers will also find... Uh, Into the Wild section. Uh, That section includes three different methods for handling the wilderness. Uh, One is uh, route-based travel, one is hex crawls, and one is point crawls. And two of those three have appeared really previously on the Alexandrian, but all three have been integrated together in this book for the first time. And so there's going to be some fresh new material uh, in there as well. There'll also be some new material in the extra credit section as well, uh, kind of of spread around. Uh, Details on running rumor tables, for example, is the one big completely new section. But a lot of little new tips and tricks um, layered into all the different topics back there as well.
1: I'm curious about just one thing because you've talked a lot about how a lot of other game master books out there, you know, and not to diss them, but we are we are sort of pointing out there's a lot of focus around sort of creating stories at your table. That um, I'm thinking of specifically, I suppose, of your your best game ever by Monte Cook Games um, is probably the archetypal of approach that this you know, role playing games about telling stories, and this is about how you get your your story together, and then kind of doesn't tell you terribly well about how to do it because you loads of kind of cool stuff but doesn't actually sort of knit it together very well what's your view on that approach i mean you've hinted at don't prep plots um i mean generally speaking in the in the sort of in the marketplace at the moment like where do you feel like this sits um with all of those different approaches that sort of whirl around
0: Yeah, I think I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take a positive approach. Just talk about if if other thing, other games that have taken an approach that you that would fit in comfortably with. So you want to be a game master. One great example of this is Blades in the Dark by John Harper. Blades in the Dark is really great at telling you this is specifically what you need to prep, and then this is how you run the game step by step. And Mm -hmm. so if you look at Blades in the Dark, you can walk through Blades in the Dark and know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Blades in the Dark is very heavily based around improv, and some people do find that to be challenging. It's not a game I necessarily recommend for a first-time GM. As a result, because there's a lot of pieces you got to juggle in that to be your first-time experience, um, but a great example of how to uh, of how to show exactly what to prep and exactly how to run a procedural way that results in in story at the table. Uh, story shouldn't be a dirty word but what you want is really story at the table you mm. want not it's not a story if you want to be a storyteller you could just tell stories what you want to do is you want to be a story collaborator and you want to create that story with the players you want to have a story that emerges from play and those stories in my experience from role-playing games are much more memorable and interesting to everyone at the table um because they come from that active play. So Blades in the Dark mm-hmm. is a great example of that. Knights um, Black Agents by Kenneth Height, which is a gumshoe game from Pelgrane Press, also a great game at showing you exactly what to prep and how to run it. So in Knights Black Agents, you have a conspiramid and a pyramid, And the conspiramid is a pyramidal-shaped structure um, that shows you you know, how to design a conspiracy. These are the specific things you need to prep to run a conspiracy. This is how you connect them together. And then combined with the mechanics and structures of the game, the players will be able to navigate that conspiracy and come to a satisfactory conclusion at the end of the campaign. And then he also how he also gives you this van pyramid, which is based on um, Elizabeth Sampat's blowback game, where there was a push pyramid that similarly what that does is it handles um active opposition from the bad guys. It's a structure for pushing that into the campaign. In the case of the Vamp Pyramid, it's for vampires. Um, And it's also pyramidal in structure and complements the conspiracy. And as you move through it, it basically gives you a structure that creates a satisfying escalation to the conspiracy responding to you dealing with it until there's a big explosive conclusion at the end. Mm -hmm. And those two structures together, along with other structures, and also the advice on how to run the game, gives you a really great structure for play. And these are the types of games that oftentimes people go into them and I see people respond to them very positively. Like this, We're getting amazing results at the table with them. And readers of The Alexandrian, and I think readers of this book, will understand, oh, the reason why those games are working so well for me is because there is a structure to play. There is a structure to what I'm prepping. There is a procedure to what I'm running. And that's where this book is going is to sit in there, is, mm. is that kind of emergent story at the table.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think that I've heard you say the word structure, Some I'll do a count perhaps at the end of the show a few hundred times. <laughs> um, that's definitely your clear, clearest message, I think, over the years. Um, all right, what haven't I asked you that you would like me to ask you?
0: You know, not, not to blow smoke, but you've done an excellent job of covering everything I wanted to talk to about the book. Um, so I really appreciate that. I've had a really great time.
1: Where can we get
0: it? That's a great question. So this is coming from Macmillan Publishing and Page Street Publishing. That means it's going out through mainstream book distribution. So the really, really exciting thing about this book is that it it will be in hobby channels, obviously, uh, but it's going to be out there in Barnes and Noble. It's going to be available on Amazon. Uh, You're going to be able to find this book any place where you can find any other mainstream book that you want. So you should be able to either find it or pre-order it at any bookstore that you buy books from so anywhere is like hopefully the is hopefully the answer there
1: fantastic i've got two copies pre-ordered and i wanted to just ask you um i'm going to the plan is i'm going to give a copy of this book to a 12 year old newbie gamer at the school hobby club where i work okay and i'm just really curious as to what you think they might make of it that is a great question i mentioned
0: before this is the book that i wanted as a 10 year old and so i am hoping that that precocious 12 year old who wants to get into role playing games uh will just will just devour this book and and bring so much joy into the lives of themselves and their players uh i you know one of the things one of the things that i write in the book was i i needed to make it accessible to new to new gms to people who hadn't played the game before who were just beginning to explore this new world Mm. and this was actually challenging as a writer because uh my authorial voice on the on the Alexandrian and even on my YouTube channel is aimed at existing GMs. I, the 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 main series on the on the YouTube channel is Advanced Game Mastery, right now, yeah. for example. And the Alexandrian, you'll frequently find my articles. I'll say things like, "We've all been there before. We've done this thing at the table, and now we can learn from that." And that that is meaningless to someone who has never run a role playing game mm-hmm. before, obviously. So I, I wanted to make sure I was finding an authorial voice and a an approach to it that would be accessible to that 12-year-old that you're handing that copy of the book to. And that proved challenging in, in an unexpected way because I have written a little bit like this in the past. And what I, uh, I was the co-designer on the second edition of Magical Kitty Save the Day, yep. which is aimed at first-time role players and first-time game masters, um, but is aimed at like an audience of like six to 10-year-olds.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And... Uh, so as I was trying to adjust to a authorial voice in this book of talking to a first time GM, I kept overshooting into talking to a five-year-old <laughs> and I'd be like, that's not the audience for this book either. I need to actually, I need, so it was really interesting trying to find that unique voice, but I think the, that the book is written for that 12 year old that you're talking about, uh, mm-hmm. 100%. And I, I really hope that they get as excited about this book as I got, running my first role-playing session all the way back in
1: 1989 all right last thing i think i might have asked you this way back in the past but let's put it on here as well why are you so incredibly excited about role-playing games I and mean, you dedicate dedicated your life to it
0: you know it's interesting i actually remember the first person who asked me that question it was a professor at the university of minnesota i was a freshman in college and and uh the professor professor thomas clayton was a professor of um, mythology in the classics. And I was taking a freshman seminar with him and he liked to have office hours with all his freshmen bring us in, talk about life, give us his life advice and his advice for going through college. And I've been being like, what is this role-playing game thing that you do? And I was explaining to him, it's like, and why why do you why do you find that so interesting? And what I said was, well, what I, what I find interesting about it is that it's a completely new way of telling stories. And I mentioned earlier, like, Sometimes sometimes you get this conflict between people who think that the conflict is between story and not story. And I don't think that's accurate. I think it's more about trying to find the way of telling stories in a role-playing game, which role-playing games are best suited for. And I think the thing that's most exciting about role-playing games is that they are a completely new medium. You know, theater has been around for thousands of years. Novels have been around for hundreds of years. Um, Films and movies have been around for over a century at this point. Comic books have been around for over a century at this point. But role-playing games are still very much in their infancy. We're still very much exploring what they can be and what their potential is. And that is what I find exciting about them as a medium. And it's why I am so impassioned about not running our role-playing games as if they were movies or books or whatever, because they aren't. And there are lessons we can certainly take, much like film took lessons from theater, for example, but film needs to find out what it was. And I think we're right at the point now in the last few years here, where role-playing games are beginning to really figure out what are we uniquely? And that's a very exciting time to be exploring this medium together.
1: So you want to be a Game Master is out in November? Is that right? November, November 2023. Yep. Just in time for Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said a few moments ago, available for pretty much all the majors. I know it's on Amazon UK too, so because pre-ordered. Um, Wish you all the very, very best with it. And, um, you know, thank you so very much for coming and spending some time and talking to us about it. Um, It's just absolutely amazing moment, I think, in what everything the Alexandrian stands for, really. It's it's very exciting to hear someone else say that because it's exactly how I feel. I'm, I, I'm really, really excited about what this
0: book offers.
1: We'll stick all of the links and everything into the show notes for the show. Just Alexander, thanks so very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me here. It's always great to chat with you. big thank you once again to justin alexander for coming and talking about so you want to be a game master his forthcoming book i'll stick links to the alexandrian blog justin's youtube channel advanced game mastery and his patreon in the show notes thank you once again to john from telemanticore for the roleplay rescue theme music thanks of course to all the roleplay rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpg rescue and most of all thank you to you for showing up and listening i hope you found it illuminating my name is che webster this is roleplay rescue i'll see you again at the table game on